Hello. Hi. This is non-working title, the working title of the podcast about not working and what it's like to resist the urge to always be productive during the collapse of every major pillar of infrastructure in the 21st century American hexscape. <laughs> that kind of makes me want to run and like hide in a hole. I mean, it's real. It's real. Um, I have with me today my friend and colleague, Elizabeth. Hi. Hi. Um, before we do introductions, I would just like to say that um, this work and this effort, um, this convening of friends to talk about this thing that it seems like we are all struggling with, is very much um, provoked um, and prompted by the work of Trisha Hersey and the NAP ministry. Um, so please go and seek her out and follow her and learn from her and support her. Um, so good. G genuinely so good. And one of the, one of the few people that has made any sense at all in a world that is coming apart at the seams. Um, you might also look around and find How to Do Nothing by Jenny O'Dell and the Sabbath by Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, um, and even After Whiteness by Willie James Jennings. These have all been important conversation partners um, in our own practices, both as individuals and as ministers in God's church. By way of introduction, um, I would like to say that my name is Ethan, and I am an Episcopal priest who is working with college students and with young adults. And I would also like to say something about me that is not related to how I sell my labor is that I recently acquired rollerblades. <laughs> yes, you did. I was like a rollerblading fiend as an adolescent and would just be like constantly zooming around my neighborhood. That does um, not surprise me. Which in hindsight was very dangerous because we had a very hilly neighborhood and I was completely unafraid of hills. Um, That's kind of beautiful though. Yeah, I mean, picture like a, a huge hill, me just like zooming down it, being like no, no car, dog, animal, person, anything, helicopter, right? act of God, nothing will stop me. Um, I've been having like a trepidatious time getting back into it. The apartment complex where I live now is like completely flat all the way around. And I have a fun time like scooting around. <laughs> I've tried to venture out into like a little bit hillier terrain in, in town and it's been mortifying. I'm so. just imagining you in like, I've never been to San Francisco, but like San Francisco Hills, like just zooming down. Oh my God. I I would die. <laughs> I would die. Some of those hills really feel like when you're on a roller coaster on the lift hill, like the angle at which your body's positioned, it feels like that, but you're in your car. That's creepy. It's and like, you're just like praying to God that your brakes hold. Yeah. Or like, like when you take your foot off the brake to like go. It, that you don't yeah, and you like roll backwards three feet before you start going. <laughs> Oh gosh, it's horrible. So I'm trying to become a I'm trying to become a a, a rollerblader again. A blader. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
Well, I'm Elizabeth Snader. Um, I'm United Methodist and I'm in the ordination process. Um, I am also a campus minister that works with college students and um, I've been here about, it's my third school year. And most of that is in a pandemic. Um, <laughs> adds a whole nother level to things. Um, let's see, a fact about myself. I, Ethan, I don't know if you know this, but I like to sew. Like I like to make bags um, and I find that to be either really relaxing or really stressful and annoying. So it just depends on the project that I am working on and the moment to whether that is helpful for my mental state or not helpful. And yeah. What do you like to sew? Like I made like little zipper bags and like little tote bags and things like that. I haven't sewed in a while, but that was like something I did hardcore for a while, like two or three years ago. Um, I had a dream last night. I've been watching a lot of Survivor. I had a dream last night that I was in a Survivor immunity challenge at one of the Diocese of Virginia's <laughs> Episcopal camps and conference centers. Yes. <clears throat> and I really needed a needle and thread <laughs> to like complete my challenge. The challenge was, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The challenge was to make handmade paper. Like, you know, where you shred it and then you wet it and then you sift it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learned that was, on TikTok. It was to make handmade journals. And I had all the paper ready to go and it was all folded, but I needed to bind the outside. And I was I was running around being like, I need a needle and thread. I need a needle and thread. Why did I not bring my like pocket clasp sewing kit? Yes. And then I won. Oh, you won. Yeah. Look at you. So I also like to sew. <laughs> in dreamland. Oh my God. Yeah. In, in this alternate universe where we're all fighting for our lives and survivor. Making journals. Um. Elizabeth, how rested are you feeling today? It's Friday for us. It's the end of yeah. our week. How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling good. I'm highly caffeinated, um, which is helpful. I feel like rested, but also like that changes, I feel like day to day. Mm -hmm. Last week we had a big snowstorm here. Um, so... I didn't have a whole lot to like go. I didn't actually go anywhere, but like I didn't have a whole lot to do. And so I feel like I was able to take some of that time and just rest, which was helpful for me after, especially like a chaotic Christmas season. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was really nice just to sort of feel everything shut down for a little while. Yeah. You know, not, not the consequences of all of it, but um in some cases, even meant like schools closed when they really yeah. should when they really should have been closed anyway for pandemic purposes. Right. Excuse me. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Um, 
I have been on a little bit of like an iPhone games bender for the last couple of weeks. Um, so I, I found this new game last night. I Here's the, here's the thing. Wait, is this I, your lumber game? No, lumber's out. Lumber's gone. Lumber's out. I tell, it's been a real bender. <laughs> Every day is a different journey. Yeah. Um, I was playing a game where I was the CEO of a lumber and timber processing corporation. Um, it got boring. I found a new game where you're in like a sphere rolling down a hill. Oh my god! Like you have like weapons attached to the sphere, and you're also like knocking down buildings and and squashing zombies while an approaching mudslide chases you. Very unhinged. Um, the thing is, I played it for like a few too many hours last night. And so that thing happened that your parents always said would happen if you play too many video games, which is like your eyes would fall out of your head. Yeah, It felt very that. And so I went to bed feeling like my face was a brick wall. And then I woke up feeling a little bit like, ooh, am I a person again? Ooh. Yeah. Um, so I'm still feeling a little bit of the screen time hangover this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, it's a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Friday, and that's okay. Um, so my sleep hygiene hasn't really been on. Um, you know, when I um, this is a, this is a tangent. This is related. Um, when I quit, when I quit drinking, like probably almost four years ago now, I made myself a rule that was like any vice was now allowed so long as I wasn't drinking. And the Mm -hmm. very first one that kicked in was iPhone games and not to like extravagant extents, but like also like spending money on iPhone games was now allowed. Um, And it's just one that I've never quite let go of. Like there's, there feels like something so illicit to me um, about allowing yourself to fall into this, like what you know is like a dopamine farm of a game for a little while um but at the end of the day it feels a couple half steps healthier than our addiction alternatives yeah so every once in a while when something like this happens i'm like well at least it's this and not that which is great so in the meantime, I'm going to ride down the hill in a spiky ball. Yeah, until the next game come, comes with, along. With laser swords. Yeah. Washing <laughs> zombies trying to get away from a mudslide. So that's me. Um, well, you know, in advance of this conversation, one of the things that you and I both shared um, that we both sort of uh, struggle with and agree on is how difficult it is to take our days off when we have them. Maybe not even so much that it's difficult to take the day off, but that it's difficult to spend the day in like idle or restful ways. Yeah. And so I wonder what that feels like for you. Yeah, I am one that I grew up um, having a mom that like was a workaholic and was like, always talking about being productive and um, feeling guilty when there were moments of like rest 
And um, even like in my job today, like I feel like my schedule is different week to week. Um, I feel like things come and go. Um, students reach out at random times and I feel like it's kind of, it's not like a nine to five. So it's like, there are times where I won't have like a full day off in a week, but there are times where I'll have, you know, a few days off in a week. Um, but those weeks where I find myself not having like a full day off, I can often be um, flexible with my time during the day. So like finding time to do restful things um, is helpful for me. I'm also an introvert. And so I need those like restful recharging times to actually like be able then to do my job and also like, it sounds horrible, but like interact with others. Like <laughs> I need my time to rest and like not talk to anyone mm -hmm. in order to like actually be able to like function pleasantly. Um, and I feel like in a job where you're helping people it can be really, really hard to set those boundaries of finding rest or like planning restful things. Um, I think for me, a lot of times rest looks like sleep because I could sleep at any time at any place at any moment of the day. And I don't know if some of that's like my thyroid disease or whatever, but like, um, <laughs> I'm not laughing. I think. No, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think sometimes restful, like sleeping in particular, is not always restful for me because sometimes it makes me feel more tired and more like out of it than like doing something that's actually. I almost use the word productive, but you doing something that's actually like restful and not just like me like disassociating if that makes sense yeah yeah well I mean yeah like this morning I woke up at 7 30 and thought I'm still tired and so fell back asleep until 10 30 and woke up feeling worse mm -hmm. somehow which is probably some sort of like other unsettledness um that's not just about sleeping you know, I hear you though. Our jobs as like campus ministers are like entrepreneurial in a way that doesn't really abide to a normal schedule of events because we don't really have a normal schedule of events. You know, like every semester we sort of have to start afresh and wonder what's happening now. How are we called to serve this this time? Um, who are our people this time? Like, how do we reach out to people who are maybe hurting or need a community under the circumstances of Omicron or Delta or full quarantine or whatever? Um, which means that, you know, that like, that engine, that like creativity engine always kind of has to be going a little bit. Um, which, you know, when the ideas come, they come and it's not like, 
you know, 10 a.m. on a Monday. All right, it's ideas time. Right. Like, you, know, you could be watching Seinfeld and be like, wait a second, wait a second. Here's what I'm yeah. saying. Um, which has felt a little bit tough for me. Um, I like that about our work, um, but it does mean, you know, there's not really often an autopilot that we get to turn on. Right. You know? Um, it's funny that you say that you have trouble relaxing on your days off. Um, because one of the things for me that's been really tough is having, having recently finished grad school um, seminary and having worked while I was in seminary, I was very accustomed to having like an extensive to-do list all the time mm -hmm. or like major responsibilities that were hanging over my head for months and months. Yeah. And so having lived under the condition of like, you've got a thesis to finish by February, like you've got interviews to do, you've got, you know, 80 pages to write all of the time um, while also having to sort of figure out like, you've got readings you could be doing, you've got readings you could be catching up on, you've got papers to be writing. Also like you've got, like ministry to be doing like we've got to plan lent we've got to plan advent we've got to figure out what we're doing this summer we've got to be reaching out to all these people it felt like all of my time was devoted to thinking about work and now that i've been able to sort of narrow the scope of my commitment to just one thing which is a job rather than like school and work and find and like finding another job and moving i don't I don't really know what to do with all of this surplus time. Yeah. Like I feel so practiced at always tending to a to-do list that when I just don't have one, I feel like I keep looking for one. Right. You know, like having spent all this time, like in this really diligent practice yeah. of to-do listing, I'm finding yeah. that I'm a little bit too practiced at it. Yeah, I, um, when you were talking about that, I had like flashbacks to like week two and three of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, because naturally I'm like a go, go, go person. Um, I like to have a to-do list. I like to get things done. I like to kind of be productive, so to say. Um, and I remember like week two and three of the pandemic, I was like, okay, I've organized every closet. I've cleaned everything like what else is there for me to do um and like I couldn't really go anywhere um and I remember being like I need to rethink how I spend my time and making it productive not productive but like productive when it needs to be but then like restful when I when it needs to be and making sure that I incorporate rest times in my daily life because everything was just so overwhelming that I just felt like I couldn't keep running at the the speed I was running before. Yeah. And I think that's still like spilled over into, I mean, we're still in the pandemic and it's still very much scary to go out into the world. Um, mm. And so I think we've had to like really take a hard look at how do we take care of ourselves in the midst of all this traumatic thing, the traumatic things that are happening. 
Yeah. I mean, I think so much of how we try to take care of ourselves just looks like distraction. Yeah. I think there's like the over, I mean, hello, iPhone games. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Real Housewives. (laughs) Feeling my feelings. Let me just like get like hits, like micro doses of dopamine through my own phone um, at any time of the day. But also if you look around, like so much of how our society is functioning right now is like in total, almost like blissful ignorance mm, yeah. of the like deeply like like harmful, violent, like degrading circumstances of life. It's around almost everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, even, you know, we have our own small scale examples of like, it's my Friday, I have nothing to do today. And still, I feel like I should be reading a book about church planting or making a plan for Bible study next week. It's like small scale version, large scale version is like, you know, we've had like literally millions of new COVID cases this week. And everybody's like, well, guess we better get back to work. Right. You know, like the magic man behind the curtain wants us to make the numbers go bigger. (laughs) So we better go back to work. Yeah. Um, For me, one of the things that I like unfortunately have realized is that so much of my like disordered productivity ethic has come from my schooling. Mm. Like I used to be like a champion do nothing person or like a champion like idle time person. Um, And then I went to college and I went to this sort of like, you know, high achieving, like kind of like the place where everybody was the salutatorian college in the mid-Atlantic and everybody was so used to being the smartest person around. And then they were all surrounded by the smartest people around. And it just like spun everybody out to where it was like, we all have to be studying all of the time. And it wasn't so much like a competition as it just was the culture. Like, if you're trying to hang out with your friends, you can't. They've got homework. Like, you hang out with your friends by going to the library and studying. Um, And so it wasn't so much, like, pressure so much as it was just, like, the water that we were all swimming in. Right. And having spent four years in that place, feeling like every evening, every Friday, every Saturday, every Sunday, it was like, I've got homework to be doing. I've got homework to be doing. I've got like physics problem sets to be doing. There's reading I should be doing. Like I should be studying all of the time. It's like, I mean, again, I'm I'm like really playing with this language lately, but it's like practice makes perfect. And we practiced that nonstop for years. Yeah. And so I graduated and couldn't let go of it. Like Friday or Saturday would hit and it was like, I should be reading a book. You know, it sort of, like, even warped my, like, recreation activities into, like, you know, a a syllabus of books that I should be reading. Right. Or even, like, a syllabus of, like, this sounds crazy, like, a syllabus of, like, video games or TV shows that I need to, like, move, like, make my way through. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. 
I think where that feels really unfortunate is that that was very true of undergrad. And undergrad is a different kind of scenario where it feels really disappointing is that that was also true for my experience of seminary, mm. which I think everybody can hope and believe that like people who are being trained in vocation to, to minister and to serve would have like a little bit more balance in their lives or a little bit less of like a tense work work culture, knowing that like creating exhausted priests then creates exhausted parishioners. Um, but it was still very true for grad school for me too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I hear a lot from my like clergy friends that everyone, they're all tired and they're, you know, the, the time that their job requires of them is challenging. So that, that I think that makes rest even more important for people who are in helping professions. Um, because I, you know, I had a similar experience in college. I was thinking about this the other day, how like I didn't go to like a similar school or anything, but I was involved in a lot of leadership opportunities and especially my junior and senior year, I would like leave my room at like 10 a.m. and not come back until like 10 p.m. And like, I just look back and I'm like, how did I just like go, go, go all the time? And like, you know, obviously focus on academics, but focus on leadership and other things and have all of these meetings and all of the, you know, how did I like function and do all of that? And now I think like, even in seminary, like I was commuting, um, you know, an hour plus a day to seminary and um, it was just a very busy time. Like, like you said, I was also working as, in, in ministry as a youth director and balancing school and job and life and like being newly married and all those things. It's like, it can feel very, very overwhelming. And what some, something you said earlier really like stuck with me, like distraction is not always restful. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of times I fall into the, like, oh, I just need to distract myself. So I don't know how like, how, like lazy I'm being or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be really hard to like, justify in your head you know it felt very true before the pandemic that clergy people were very very tired and also the people that they served were very very tired um, yeah. and it only got worse during the pandemic um and you know even beyond that like the wildfire season that happened for us in California, the like insurrect, like the political insurrection that happened at the Capitol, um, like the Black Lives Matter movement that really came to a head in in June of 2020. It felt like all these things were like really, really demanding our attention 
in ways that actually like could be could be good yeah. and it felt like we just decided to keep everything on our plate as the church and and make it sort of this like tense competition for what was going to gain our attention <clears throat> and i think like that's a problem that we haven't really been able to contend with um, especially as like the church or like the white church or the white like upper middle class church um, is that there's so much that is asking for our attention and we're and we're trying to give our attention to all of it um, rather than really using discernment you know yeah i just think there's something like that felt very tough and very true like when i when I came into this job, but also in, in past jobs that I've had, which is that I had all these big ideas for projects to do and, you know, ministries and, you know, things that we were going to learn together and that I was going to teach. And I found people that were just exhausted, mm. that like didn't have necessarily the time or the attention to give to these huge ideas that I had. Um, and even like our college students here are like so committed, so busy, very committed to like our ministries and our groups, um, but that are maybe on the whole overextended. Definitely. So also what does it look like for us to be people who attend to that overextension, you know, and that don't like plan and minister in spite of it, mm -hmm. um, but that really are able to operate in light of it. Yeah, this past semester, fall semester, we had a like stay retreat where we did um, a few activities. We normally go away for a retreat, but we did a few things here locally. And one of the things was we were talking about what it means to love God and love people and realizing that we too are people and that we have to love ourselves. And it's so easy. We had a lot of conversation about like, it's easy a lot of the college students I deal with are in leadership or work with are in leadership or are just like helpers in general. Mm -hmm. And so they want to constantly support, encourage other people and, you know, say, oh, you need to make sure you're taking care of yourself. You need to make sure you're doing these things. And they came to realization that like they tell those pe those things to people all the time, but they don't implement them into their own lives. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel that because I similarly tell you all to do, you know, these things to, you know, take care of yourselves, to find moments of rest and peace. And I am not always doing that either. And mm -hmm. uh, it's funny how, like when we're teaching or preaching, how sometimes the words we say to others really speak to us. Mm -hmm. Um, and that conversation just really got me thinking about like, what does it actually mean? Like, what does it actually look like for me to find moments of rest in my life that I don't feel like are scheduled? Like times where I feel like I have to like feel, do rest, but like where I can feel like, okay, I need rest and just do it. Yeah. It's funny. I hear like, Trisha Hersey's voice in my head saying like, yeah, of course, like the church is like a deeply disembodied place or like the white church is like a deeply disembodied place. 
that there feels like such a difference between what we actually believe and and how we listen to our bodies. Yeah. That you can fully say and mean and believe something that is completely counter to your embodied practice. Right. And I just have to wonder what it means that like the church might also be full of leaders for whom like Christianity is like a cerebral exercise mm. and one that feels like so brand new as like a person with a body. Yeah. Like a lot of times I would have conversations with my dad, um, like growing up church was just like, a, okay, we did that on Sunday morning, like check. We're good. Mm -hmm. Um, but like looking at faith as more of like a embodiment of like how does what we learn, what we teach, what we preach, what we're passionate about, like how does that actually impact how we live our daily lives and how do we then also realize that we're worthy of taking rest? Yeah. I don't know. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Right there with you. Well, I think for me, like, productivity has always been tied to my worth. Um, growing up, like, I always used to hear my mom on Saturday mornings, like, say, like, if she slept in or something like that, being like, oh, I've wasted the day. I need to be productive. I haven't done anything productive today. And me thinking like, oh, Saturday's a day to just like chill. My mom worked at a church on Sunday. So Sunday was always very busy. Mm. And so I viewed Saturday as like the day where we can just like hang out. But oftentimes it was like, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Can we like as a family do these things to kind of get the house ready for something or, you know, clean something? And my mom and I have had many conversations recently about how when there's lull, like lull time or liminal space, her natural instinct, and I'm noticing my natural instinct too, is like find something that's productive to do. Whether it's like organizing a pantry or cleaning the bathroom floor or something like that. And even my husband, Eric, and I have had a lot of conversations about like finding avenues of rest for myself that don't involve me like doing a chore. Mm -hmm. And that can be hard for me. Yeah. I think one of the things that has felt the most dangerous about that kind of thinking is like, if our productivity is tied to our worth within ourselves, then so often that also gets impugned on other people. Yeah. Right? So there's this like really, really toxic, like I might even propose like anti-gospel rhetoric that like, who are the people that we call lazy mm. in our society? And does that have like sexist and racist underpinnings? Yes. Um, that if we feel like we are people in a place to earn our keep, then we also expect other people to earn our keep without mm -hmm. an analysis of privilege and power and generational wealth and opportunity. And so that creates this sort of like, really stratified <laughs> like who are the people that that work hard and are deserving and who are the people that aren't um and i think 
Ooh. <laughs> like who are the who are who are the people that are deserving in the eyes of God? Everyone. Everyone. Right. Everyone. Well, and I think like you and I were talking about this TikTok that we saw the other day of this um person that's a teacher and they were talking about like contract hours and how especially now um you know among covid and omicron and all those other things like during their planning periods they're having to be subs for other other classes that have teachers missing Mm -hmm. and then administration is saying well we need like to to see your work we need to see your lesson plans and things like that And, and you know this is her you know, imitating a conversation that hadn't happened, but that could happen of her saying, well, I don't have time in my contract hours to be doing these extra things you're wanting me to do. And it's like, what is, you know, the administration then perception of this person who's putting these boundaries up of their time. And, you know, that can be seen as like, like you said, like lazy or like hard to work with or those types of things. But in all reality, like, they're just st- standing up for their contracted hours of work. Mm-hmm. And so often I think systems of oppression are often used to people bending over backwards or um, abusing people's um, contracts in ways that then forces them to be overproductors or even like in cycles of oppression. Yeah. You know, I uh I think a lot about this this little brief line from this book The Sabbath by by Abraham Joshua Heschel and he says that the Sabbath is the foretaste of the heavenly banquet. Mm. And so like it's just a little the briefest preview of what is offered to us and like the perfect contentment and reconciliation with God and with one another. And I think about it all the time because I think, well, dang, that means that we don't have, it means we don't have jobs in heaven. Like there's no, there's no productivity in heaven. There's no to-do lists. Like there's no like required labor in heaven which sounds crazy yeah say out loud but if you look around like so much of our meaning making framework is about the work that we do and how far we're able to make it into careers and how we've like built up our sense of self-worth with our belongings and our money and our investments yeah and i just think of jesus saying like none of that matters none of that matters and so how 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 missing of the mark then for the church to have replicated that system of meaning making and to offer it back to our people chills yeah like here's what it looks like to be a good productive christian is for us to do a whole bunch of work together and you know yeah all these committees all these things here's our agendas here's all of this um, are we making are we making disciples who will be able to recognize the kingdom of heaven when we get there? Mm. Are people who will show up in heaven and be like, "What is this?" <laughs> yeah, or even like, like one 
the glimpses of the kingdom of heaven that we see and, and experience now and people are like con condemning that in certain ways and it's mm -hmm. like but isn't that what we're supposed to be striving toward yeah yeah i think so much about how i've heard clergy people say even during the pandemic like well i feel like i need to be earning my keep oh like yeah. i feel like i need my people to see that I'm working really hard so that I don't become expendable. Um, and I just think like both in, in the minds of our communities, like how is it that we even approach the idea of expendability? And like that feels so counter to, to what we're doing because um, we don't want people to feel expendable. And I think like expendability is a message that comes from so many institutions in our public life. And I think really chiefly comes from education, mm. you know, like even during like the worst atrocities this generation has seen, we're still talking about learning loss <laughs> and students being left behind as if there's like a pace to be kept while people are enduring this trauma, while people are, people are enduring illness and grief and maybe even getting sick themselves, losing family members, losing caretakers, like we're still using the language of, of pace to be kept and productivity and efficiency. Um, and for what? And for what? Yeah, because there's, there's none of that in the kingdom of God. Yeah. I worry that even the extent to which like you and I felt like hamstrung to productivity during our schooling, like how much worse will it be for this generation to yeah. have been made to keep pace while everything is coming apart at the seams. Right. Or even like, not even just keep pace, but like be better, you know? Yeah. I know I've I've heard people talk about what it's like at the university where we both serve and it's like the number one priority has been getting students in classrooms mm -hmm. and everything else has fallen by the wayside to make that happen. So yeah. you can't eat with other people, you can't have club meetings, things are supposed to be virtual, like people are quarantined. Like, like everything else about the life of a community has fallen to the wayside except for its axis of productivity. Yeah. Which is like the continuity of curriculum. And if we're having like a fulsome conversation about wellness. Um, we are not well. I don't, yeah, <laughs> let's say we are not well. And yeah. what does it mean that like the one, the one pillar left standing is the productivity one. Right. Wah, wah. Um, what do you think that we do about this? How do you think we begin unlearning this, like both for ourselves and with our, with our students, with the people with whom we minister? So I think <clears throat> for myself, being having grace with myself. I think um, I tend to overthink things. I tend to be anxious. I tend to really like beat myself up 
um, in my personal narrative, like I am very, very hard on myself. And I think reminding myself to have grace for myself is going to be helpful in this cert quest for rest, let's say. Um, I think realizing that like perfection is not like attainable, um, but to kind of like see what my body and mind and soul need in the current moments um, and then provide opportunity for that. Um, what does it mean to have grace? I think it mean, for me, it means like realizing that it's okay if I mess up or it's okay if I get angry at myself but moving forward, like learning how to be better at that, um, realizing that, you know, like with great God's grace, especially like we never have to be perfect to receive that. And I don't have to be perfect to give myself grace. Hmm. Um, I can give myself grace in the moments where I feel very mad, sad, anxious, um, and just feel those things and then move forward rather than like trying to skip past feeling those things. Um, so like I have OCD and sometimes those things are like compulsive where I feel like I have to go organize the pantry or I have to have this specific conversation. Um, but just taking a moment to breathe and like, asking for God's presence to be made known to me, I think is really helpful in those moments to like not feel completely overwhelmed or like debilitated by my anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, so like so think, extending to yourself the kind of forbearance that God would extend to you. Right. Like calling yourself to account according to what God finds meaningful rather mm -hmm. than what mammon <laughs> would call you to account for right yeah. um and i think that ties into like me leading college students is helping them also realize that like realize that their god's love for them and their worth is not something that they need to like perform to obtain like it's just naturally there for them um and in that they can realize that productivity is not something that has to be happening 24 seven. We don't have to be productive to then earn rest or earn love or earn mm -hmm. worth. Um, we can find worth and love just in the stillness of the day or even in the emotions that we are feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still struggling, I think, with like what rest actually looks like for me because I'm very good at laying on the couch and watching hours of um, Real Housewives. Yeah. Um, and like, I try not to debate in my head, like, is that actually rest? Because like, if I'm enjoying it and I'm taking time to just like chill, I think that's good for me. Um, but also like, I really like reading and so like finding like non-work related books like to read that I find enjoyable. 
um, is helpful. And I think honestly, just being open to having conversation like this about rest, like, what does that look like? You know, do I put my phone down for a few hours and like not be attached to my phone? Um, you know, I think like paying attention to the, the really toxic cycle of like overwork and then decompression, right? Like I think decompression time is really important. <clears throat> um, and decompression is not the same thing as resting all the time. Right. You know, if you're sort of like fighting for your life on the couch with the real housewives of Salt Lake City and the things that feel like more deeply restful for you feel out of reach be just because of how tired you are. Like, I can't imagine reading pages of a book or I'm too tired right. to go for a walk. It's like, I don't know, that feels like something to attend to. Yes, I completely yeah. agree. Um, the other day I was laying on the couch and I was like, oh, I really need to, I should like get up and go take a walk. But I was like really tired and I was like, no, I'm just going to take a nap. And like, after that nap, I felt like so rested and like listening to what my body needs and not pushing myself to do things that might not be restful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me, um, feels like the responsibility of the church to like offer counter narratives for what we find meaningful and even how we talk about rest and productivity. Um, I think like from pretty much every angle, <clears throat> like we hear it from our families, we hear it from school, we hear it from work, we hear it from all these places, like you've got to be doing stuff got to be doing stuff um and i think if church can be one of the places where you hear actually ellen that's not the truth like all the better for it you know like if there's just like one place that can sort of say this is not what we have to be doing this is not what it has to be like this is not what it has to feel like um i think we can be all the better for it you know like when when narratives and values go unchallenged, then they remain unchallenged. And I think church, I hope, can be one of the few places, though it's not always been, where we can sort of offer counter narratives. Yeah. I think a lot about myself as like, <clears throat> or our ministries as like the hedge between like our students and like the overbearing specter of university productivity during a pandemic, um, that if we can just be the place that says, yeah, your schoolwork is important. Like following through with your responsibilities is important. Um, but it's not the only thing. Right. That's not the only thing. And it's also not your worth. Definitely. You know, like these things exist and you've committed to them and they are not your worth. And they're also not the only things and it also won't be like this forever. Right. You know, I think like how, how much we wish that there were people that had access to people telling them otherwise, you know? Well, this has been delightful. This has been um, fun. I'm about to see you in like 20 real life minutes. So how do we... <laughs> We've got some work to do this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, it's yeah, it's not. It's gentle. It's gentle work, though. It's gentle um, work, yeah. It's gentle. Um, well, thank you for being with me. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye.